You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that have been given major influence in evangelical Christianity. This season, we are reading Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on manhood and womanhood one chapter at a time. I am your host, Janice Legata, and I'll be ripping up this week's chapter with a good member of the Bad Book Club. Co-host, introduce yourself, please. My name is Leslie, pronouns she, her, a basic white girl. (laughs) Oh gosh, what do I say about myself? Let's see, former, fully, deeply, truly committed Christian. Now trying to claw my way out of all of, all of that toxic, traumatic, indoctrination, cult. We're going to call it a cult. Because uh, watching a documentary about a cult was actually what really prompted me to take a closer look into all these horrible things that I was taught. Captivating goes nicely along with that. So working through that, I feel like that's where I'm at in my life. (laughs) So um, yeah, I think it started my like exit started as... It was like a slow burn of leaving a church because of what was going on there. And then it was like, this is going on everywhere, not just one specific church or one specific denomination. But I think I really tried to cling to that like core Christian belief for a really long time. Again, up until about a year ago when it was like, no, I need to be done with all of this. So I have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> I hate that phrase. It's it's not a baby. It's just I don't know what. I don't know how. I don't have any words to describe it. But it's it's gone. So I'm trying to make sense of all of that and trying to figure out how do I navigate in the world without all of these toxic messages that I was raised with. So that's my journey. Um, let's see. I'm a mom of two in the process of separating with their dad. (laughs) So yeah, I'm in a really easy spot in my life. Things are going really well. I get tons of sleep. It's great. Things are going really well. (laughs) Excellent. So we'll get started with the reading of the opening paragraph. We'll have a discussion and then hear the closing paragraph and send you on your way. For additional context and conversation and the option to listen to these episodes with no ads, I invite you to join the people of Jod by becoming a Jodly or Jod-willing patron on Patreon. But either way, I'm happy you're here and I hope you're ready, because without further ado, let's get into... Captivating, Chapter 3. I was standing in line at the grocery store buying a few last-minute items when I heard her. That is the 15-item or less line. Ma'am, she hissed. I looked around wondering who the woman was talking about. My own cart had the required 15 items. I knew it. I had counted them twice to be sure. When she motioned for her husband to look at the wicked infidel, I saw that she was directing her comments at me. Glancing back I told her that I only had the prescribed 15 items in my cart. She rolled away in an angry huff. Soon, she was back in the line next to mine with her husband following. She muttered loudly, accusingly, her voice filled with sarcasm. She says she only has 15 items. At this point, To say I became defensive is a massive understatement. Rage welled up inside me. I felt hot, surprising myself at the intensity of my reaction. Leaning around the candy bars I spoke angrily to her. I do only have 15 items. Ma'am, do you want to come over here and count them? Her husband held up his hand signaling me to back off. Let it go. Embarrassed, I quieted and then paid for my order. Vindicated that there were indeed only 15 items in my cart. Oh. How I wanted to show her my receipt. Driving home, still upset, I had to pull over. I mean, I was shaking. I had just gotten into a fight with a stranger in the grocery store over the 15 at a more or less line. What was going on? What was that about? So, here we are with Captivating. <sighs> captivating. When, where, how did you first become aware of this book? Okay, so... I was aware of Wild at Heart when it first came out because it was like all the rage with all of the like church men groups that were doing this. Um, And then once Captivating came out, it was our youth pastor and his wife who like led these small groups with us high schoolers to separately read these books. So, you know, Jill had 
the girls. Chris had the boys. Let's read these books. So that's when I, that's when I first became captivated. <laughs> <laughs> we read it together. I remember like really enjoying it and getting a lot out of it and feeling like, wow, this was so great. I've grown a lot. Men should probably read this book too, but are they going to? Probably not. And then several years later, revisited the book, the the five years later version, probably. Mm -hmm. Again, like later in college, just myself. And that's when I took extensive notes in my leather bound (laughs) journal (laughs) to really reinforce the messages and write down the things that really stood out to me and things that I, I needed to work on. So that was my winding journey with this book. And then, uh, of course, today when you were like, let's talk about this book. And I was like, I remember reading that. I don't remember how terrible it was. (laughs) At the time, it wasn't terrible. It It wasn't terrible, which is part of the pain now. So embarrassing. I'm so embarrassed by my younger self. (laughs) I can't be on Facebook anymore because all those stupid, like, Five years ago today, here's what you posted. And it's always like some dumb like quote from a sermon that I heard. And I'm like, God, no, don't, I'm not even on the app anymore. Delete it. I don't want to see this anymore. Cannot deal with younger Leslie at this moment in time. Maybe someday I'll have more compassion for her. But right now, she's really annoying. <laughs> and with you having said that, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. Can you read us just two or three lines of something from your leather bound? Yes, of course. Let me find the correct journal chapter okay let's see what was something that hmm, i really identified back then with the description of i think she calls it the desolate woman who like eve hides herself behind humor makeup withdrawing and that is something i needed to work on Mm -hmm. and let's see what else Mm. oh all of our hearts are at some level unsatisfied and longing. It is our insatiable need that drives us to our God. (laughs) There you go. The word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Oh. We'll call and response at the end. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Feel the spirit in this place? (laughs) I do. So. Leave, spirit. You are not wanted here. I lit a candle to burn those (laughs) spirits away. (laughs) So, yes, those were 2011 Leslie thoughts and musings. All right. And so here we are, 11 years later. How did you feel about rereading a chapter of this in 2022? Oh, gosh. I think behind the embarrassment, it makes me really sad for my younger self that I just bought in so fully and completely without a second thought. So it's like, hmm. I always go down the rabbit hole of like, what if, or if only I'd learned this sooner, but it's like reading stuff like that's like, there's no way I could have ever learned this sooner in my life because I was so fully and totally bought in to what Stacy and John were selling. <laughs> With a variety of other people who are also selling me similar things, but yeah, no, it was a whole it was a whole industry dedicated no. to making us. Oh yes, it's not even have second thoughts, not have first thoughts, not have thoughts. Just no, consume you have it. To take every thought captive. So how dare you have your own thoughts? Captivate those. It's the wrong word, but you know, like capture those. That's the word I was thinking. So you have to capture those thoughts. Yeah, crush them. <laughs> Before we fill your head with the thoughts that you're supposed to have. Right. So here we are, 2011. I was, those thoughts were fully implanted. I was, I was on the right track. So what chapter did you have? What was it about? Oh, okay. I had chapter three. It was called Haunted with a Question. What is that question you ask? According to Stacy mm-hmm. and probably John, uh, that question that we are all as women, not men, of course, The question that we as women are haunted with is, are we lovely? Yes. At our basic core, that is what we are asking. That is what we desire. Um, And then she decides to go into Eve and the fall of Eve and how this was all her fault because she listened to the serpent, Satan. In my theological uh, scholarship, uh, it 
you know, Satan has a variety of different meanings. So who knows? Right. The serpent is what we'll call it. Uh, and then because of the fall, she goes into explaining the curse of Eve and what that looks like. And basically the curse turns us into two different types of women, sometimes simultaneously, hilariously. Uh, the, what are the, the dominating woman and the desolate woman. Mm -hmm. um, and how, because of those personality traits, I guess, that we fall into, we begin to indulge in other things to satisfy our loneliness. Because obviously, if we're a desolate woman or a domineering woman, we're going to be lonely. Uh, and then she, so she kind of like goes on a little thing into this is the cause of addiction. And the only thing that will bring you back is God. Uh, she, and the, she has another section that calls Eve's lingering fear. Hold on, I highlighted it in the chapter. I didn't write it down in my notes. Oh, um, her worst fear is abandonment. So... That, that was what this whole lovely, long, winding chapter was about. It, it's, yeah, the bait of Satan was, was bad. So I was like, I know this, these books are not great, but nothing's going to be the bait of Satan. And this is not the bait of Satan, but in some, somehow it's, it's starting to feel worse. Because the bait of Satan was so just blatantly bad to me. And this is much more insidious in that it seems gentler on the surface yes it's it's like more captivating <laughs> but it like it draws you in you know in the introduction when stacy's talking about how like this isn't going to be another one of those books where we like tell you here are the 10 things you need to do to like become a better woman and she's like i hate those books they throw them across the room so you like get hooked in of like oh this is going to be different. It's not different. It's not. I At this point, I would prefer 10 things because all this chapter, this book so far, but this chapter says is don't be this, don't be this, don't be this. This is bad. This is bad. This is why you're like this. This is why you're like this. This is bad. This is bad. This is right. bad. But then like you said, she said there are the two, the two things women can become. You can become domineering or you can become desolate or you can become a combination of the two. So <laughs> she makes like some weird comment about that. Hold on. I want to read it because it was like, what the, yeah, she says, or some odd combination of both, depending on your circumstances. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think like something about this too, is it, it's like a more gentler form of telling you how you should be. It's like trying to meet from like, I understand. And it's not your fault. Like it is, but it's also Eve's fault. You know, it was like after she talks about the fall of Eve, you know, it's like she talks about the woman was convinced, blah, blah, blah. The man ate it too. The end, they fall. And so she's like, alas, there are no words. Oh, yeah. We wail, we beat our chest, we fall to our knees and we let out a long, lonesome howl of bitter remorse. Where it's like, oh my God, the tragedy of Eve. Of Eve, which I was reading the story as as presented here, as we all know it, and as presented here. And my question was, did the serpent lie though? I wrote down like just the certain serpent out here like spitting straight facts. <laughs> He's like, this is what's gonna happen. And Eve's like, okay, cool. Because guess what? Women are not dumb. Right. <laughs> and part of this part of this book, this whole book, <laughs> is teaching us not to like trust our intuition, but like that's what Eve did. Eve trusted her intuition, she fell. So women, we cannot trust who we are, trust our intuition because we'll end up like this. We'll end up like Eve. It's like, okay, the serpent told her the truth and she believed it because she knew on a deep level in this story, I don't think this is actually factual truth. <gasps> but it's, it was like, she, yeah, she knew God was holding out on her. He was holding some truth from her and she wanted it right. what's wrong with that we've all heard this story used to oh, yeah. to not question god right this is the issue with christianity to me no just believe it don't question it i mean you can ask questions but don't question it you can ask questions but you need to accept the answers that we give you and move on right you don't get to say well like i don't that doesn't totally make sense to me or i need more information they're like no you take this and you move on and yes it doesn't answer every Every question or every point you brought up, 
but or any of them but we just need to trust and have faith and someday when we get to heaven our all of our questions will be answered right okay so i can't have truth until then till i die right it seems that seems weird not at the time at the time it was like oh okay 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 but now i'm like "Mm, that seems reasonable sure that doesn't seem that doesn't seem reasonable that seems manipulative Mm -hmm. and messed up i'm like a little a little controlling would you say maybe maybe a little little (laughs) a skosh (laughs) a skosh controlling yeah so this oh this chapter it was funny reading the the fall story again again word for word Mm -hmm. like i don't think we i don't think this is as big of a deal as everyone makes it to be as god made it to be he was like also if god made everything and the serpent was there like keep put that it's just all level of twisted and weird i mean the the story of the garden of eden christianity has made it something it was never supposed to be anyway like it's not supposed to be this here is how the world started and why humans are like they're like here's here's just a step-by-step real way in seven (laughs) days the world was created there were only two people there were no other people around everyone came from adam and eve who were actual literal people that walked this earth right right (laughs) so that all happened on in seven days and then on day here she's acting like day eight or nine maybe the eve was just like oh what's that brand new serpent never seen you before in my life what's What's that that? let's get to know you (laughs) (laughs) also if i've only been around for eight days like i have small children they don't know anything in eight days God just out here like, figure it out. <laughs> but, but don't like that. Right. See this beautiful, alluring tree? Don't touch it. You know what? If I tell my children, like, look at this beautiful glass pumpkin, because it's fall, but don't touch it. Just look at it. A thousand percent, they're going to touch that damn thing. <laughs> because they're children. They haven't been around that long, and they don't know what the consequences are. Right. Because they've never experienced it before. Right. And if I cast them out of my house... Because they touched the pumpkin. What the fuck? Not not winning any awards for parenthood. I'm no, a, I'm just gonna no. Say I'm just God is not going to win any awards for parenting. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> From Genesis to Present Revelation <laughs> and beyond. Just like countless examples of like you say you're a good, good father. But uh define your examples don't quite make me feel good about your parenting choices yeah just saying (laughs) so he left these eight-day-old dum-dums in this garden and then like beyond all of that my issue with the story then becomes how you set up all this stuff and it's good and it's good and it's good and it's all good and it's all good and it's not good the man is alone but now he is a woman and she's good and it's all good and it's all great and then the serpent comes in eat this fruit okay we eat this fruit and now (laughs) Everything is bad. At the root, everything is bad. We are living at a point in history where we're long past you sent your son who was supposed to do everything to right everything. And yet we're still under the curse of Eve. So this all says to me that evil, if that's what this is, is stronger than good. Because if evil Mm. can just come in and do one thing and now it has changed. Destroyed everything that was the nature of everything right and now we are automatically born bad then evil is stronger and even your son didn't change anything because what adam and eve did affected everyone right what your son did only affects people who choose to believe it of course accept it and live by it well like it'll apply to everyone but you have to like accept and believe it first it's there for you but you need to take it we're not just gonna hand it out to you Right. We need something from you. We need a commitment. Right. Evil, meanwhile. A monthly commitment of 10% of your earnings. Right. <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> but it's all, but, yeah. Well, it's like, why couldn't God have just, like, changed, changed the rules? Or it just, you know, for someone who is all-powerful, and I know Christians have their own explanation for it. Trust me. I've said it. I've bought into it. And also it just feels like this would have been way simpler. It could have been. It could have been so much. Yeah. It really, really could have been. But it wasn't. And so here we are. There are no words. Here we are. (laughs) And this book is definitely part of the curse. Yes. Um, Part of Eve's curse. Part of, yeah. 
And I mean, Adam was there, so he's not blameless. But this is the curse of Eve. But it's mostly it's mostly Eve's Eve's curse. Yeah. Yep. And women, we tend to be grasping, reaching, controlling. Mm. We are often enchanted like Eve, so easily falling prey to the lies of our enemy. And I wrote, oh, we are dummy. Like, <laughs> just, just dumb broads out here. Who needs books like this to help guide us? Into what? Still unclear. Into being beautiful. <laughs> Which is all we really want. Because that's all we want. Which is so... Which is funny because at one point I would have been like, yeah. And now I'm like, no, no, no. And maybe, you know, I have two young girl children. So as I am watching them develop, I have a two, two-year-old and three and a half-year-old. They're not asking me, mom, am I beautiful? They're asking me question, not asking me, but they want to know, like, am I safe? Are you mm-hmm. going to be okay with my big emotions? you know, are you connected to me? <laughs> like Those are the things that they want. They want connection. They, they want some of these other basic human needs. But let me tell you, neither of them are running around going, am I beautiful? <laughs> am I captivating? <laughs> like, no, they don't care about that. They're not going to care about that until much later when society's like, you need to look a certain way or act a certain way or be a certain way. And then they're going to care about it. But right now at their sweet core of innocence, they're not, they're not concerned about being lovely. Let me tell you. (laughs) Well, Stacey would say they are. They just don't know yet. Nope. Stacey false. She wouldn't know. She had all boys. Right. Yeah. So sorry, Stace. And so this whole, this whole book, I believe was just a cash grab just based off of all oh, the success of Wild at Heart and all here now we'll throw a book at the women because everything in this book was already laid out in Wild at Heart like he already said here's what men here's what men want and then oh also here's what women want and so now we have to write it's a book the female about female version this. of <laughs> right what men want <laughs> but the question the question that men have you know is do I have what it takes and then the question the women have is am I lovely and it's like I keep saying about your girls I'm like no I think it's the same question I think we're all asking, do I have what it takes? And because this society is set up in a way that for women, our looks play a big part in our place in society and what we have access to, I think, am I lovely becomes a question because it's, do I have what it takes? Am I going to be able to survive in society? But it's not these two wildly different questions. Mm -hmm. You know, men want this and women want this. I think we all want, like your girls, we all want to know, am I safe? Do I belong? Yeah. What does it take to be loved? What does it take to be safe here? Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just manifests in our patriarchal society in two very different ways where, you know, on the flip side, like (laughs) boys, you don't get to be alluring or captivating or vulnerable and girls like you don't get to be to, to ask the question, like, do I have what it takes and climb the ladder and like do all the traditionally male things. It's like the book has taken that core design, like warped it within our patriarchal society. And it's like, here's how you operate within that. Right. And we're just going to reinforce those really harmful messages to all of our unwitting readers. (laughs) Right. And that's why this book is so dangerous and so insidious, because especially to be giving it to two high school girls, two college age girls, I think it resonated so deeply because it just spoke directly to all of our insecurities and all of the things and feel like, oh, I do feel that way. Because these are the ways I have been taught to feel. I should mm-hmm. feel this way. And I should feel disconnected. Like, how am I not going to be a desolate woman when purity culture is over here telling me. Oh, my God, I know. Don't touch anyone. Don't even think about it. Don't. like. And then also, how am I not going to be controlling when I have to be in charge of everything? Again, to do with purity culture. Nope. I've got to set these standards. I've got to hold these boundaries. I've got to watch out for this because as this weak fallen woman, I am prone to leading men astray. So I've got like, I've got to be in control, but I can't be in control. But I can't be in control because that is seen as a domineering woman and that's bad. Yeah. Right. And then because, because there are so many clear examples in movies and literature, (laughs) mostly movies, not the Bible movies these are scripted people these are characters written to come across in two hours so we have to draw these lines you have to know this is a villain 
This is right. a bad woman. This mm-hmm. is, and you're going to use these to teach me about womanhood? I know. Is funny in the domineering woman section when she's talking about the horse whisper example. And it's like, look, I saw that movie a really long time ago. So I don't remember the character itself, but the examples that she's pulling out of what makes her a domineering and controlling woman. It's like, look, if my child was also in a hospital and I felt like the care was not up to the standards that I needed, you better believe I would have done the exact same thing. Well, that's because you are a controlling and domineering woman. Very controlling and domineering. Um, Yeah, it's like, oh, she has forsaken her essential aspects of her femininity. You know what? That's not... This is not the time for vulnerable femininity. This is like, I'm advocating for the health and safety of my child. You know, could she maybe have been nicer? Sure, maybe. But also, like, I'm responding to a traumatic incident where my child is fighting for her life. So I'm going to be as bossy as I need to be to make sure that she's okay. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't think you understood the point that you were trying to make. (laughs) I'm like this is not this is not a great thing. She she also talks about when like character characters villains. It's like somehow it's even worse when the villain is a woman. I'm like is it? Is it? Is it? Look, I consume a lot of stories in various mediums. I'm pretty sure a frightening villain is a frightening villain regardless of their gender. So mm, okay, Stacy, you can believe that, but I don't. I don't think that's actually true. I don't. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. It's somehow worse when the woman is a villain. And I'm like, what are we... Why is it worse that the woman is the villain versus the man? Are we, like, trained to believe that it's, a, it's like, a, more acceptable for a, a man villain than a woman villain? Hmm. hmm. What the hell is that about? <laughs> well, it's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Also, when she's talking about being controlling, she says, controlling women tend to be very well rewarded. You have obviously never been in the corporate world where if you are a controlling or domineering woman, you are seen as a bitch and silenced. So (laughs) I think you need to expand your horizons a little bit before you start making statements like this. Well, no, I mean, she's, I think she's right because you can clearly see how being controlling and domineering has taken women to the top. That's why we're all the presidents. All of the women at the top. We're, we are all of the presidents. We're, we're, yeah. We are all of the CEOs. Yes. We we run everything. Mm-hmm. We, yes, we, we do. It works. We are so well rewarded. Yes. Yep. We are the directors in Hollywood. We are the, the things. We're all the things. Yep. You're right. So I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. She's... I mean, maybe maybe that's how you got to be at the top of your women's ministry, but uh, in the corporate world, not so much the case. And even within a church, like, cool, I was controlling and I fought my way up to the top of leading the women's ministry. Well, she, cool. she was controlling and she fought her way to the top of being second of being author, a cool author on this, this book. book. <laughs> Get it, Stacy? Mm. Work, girl. <laughs> But this book, this book, I mean, I can't, I can't take it seriously. No. In any way. But then, like I said, it plays into the insecurities, the insecurities that are sewn into us by Christianity already. But like, this does not see women as real people at all. Because you talked a little bit about, you know, how she blames addictions, you know, on, on, on women and what we're after and whatever. So she says... Uh, we are endlessly creative in our indulgent pursuits, our adulteries of the heart. Take a moment and consider yours. Where do you go? Where do you go instead of to God when the ache in your heart begins to make itself known? Spending too much money, gambling, binging, purging, shopping, drinking, working, cleaning, exercising, too many movies, sitcoms, talk shows. We all, we give our hearts to all sorts of other lovers that demand our attention. What is the one type of lover she did not mention in this list for the things women (laughs) have little adulteries of the heart with? I don't know. What, Janice? (laughs) An actual lover? Sex? No, that would never happen. Like, (laughs) we're not real people to you. She's like, gasp, the woman (laughs) would look to sexual lovers as as a lover. In these no. little adulteries of the heart. I'm like, these Christians are so, they're so goofy and just so 
ridiculous. Because like you're going to write this book about women and all the things that affect women, and you are afraid to talk about sex, like to acknowledge that women might be sexual beings. You won't even put it in the list of things women might turn to, possibly. (laughs) You'll say adulteries, you'll say lovers, you'll say like... Sex isn't something that women are supposed to enjoy, so it wouldn't be a fulfilling thing. Because if the question is, am I lovely? Of course, I'm going to turn to cleaning. Right, to find my beauty. (laughs) To gambling. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) I will list absolutely everything except for being sexual. Being sexual, not a possibility. No, at least not in her mind, or... Maybe she left it out on purpose because she didn't want to reveal too much about herself. Just saying. I don't know anything about Stacey, but I can only assume. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The only time she does talk about sex is when she's talking about the desolate woman. And it's like part of their being desolate is they never initiate. We don't initiate sex with our husbands ever. Who's going to be a partner? And I was like, no, she doesn't be a partner. She definitely is not a Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, both archetypes that she's presenting to us, dominating and desolate, are just so problematic. One thing within the desolate woman one that I was uh, extra angry about was when she ta- she's talking about Ruth and fried green tomatoes, where she's like, she falls under the abuse of a bad man and hasn't the will to get herself out. I was like, there's so many things in this book that is problematic. This is top of the list for me. Like <laughs> you are placing the responsibility of her being abused as like her fault. Her fault. Her fault. She falls under this. She falls under she falls this. Under. Not he did anything. No, he's not even mentioned. It's her fault. It's her fault. And then on top of that, she doesn't have the will to leave. Like, Stacey, do you know how dangerous it is for women to try and leave abusive situations? Now, we've seen the movie, but also you're like taking this, <laughs> this one character and mm-hmm. making very harmful statements about it. Where it's like so many people, I've heard stories, I've had friends that have experienced this where they find themselves in an abusive relationship and A, they think it's their fault because they didn't see something Mm -hmm. and B, they feel like they can't get out because of statements like this. Right. So this, no, no, Stacey, just no. Just no. And one of my, one of my big issues with both of these books is how extremely, extremely white they are. Even all these movies. Like, these are white white movies and i've seen seen some of them some of them i that's that's just not my jam fried green tomatoes on the other hand that's my shit that used to be one of my favorite i used to watch it all the time so like you're not going to talk about ruth jameson to me like <laughs> like you said she didn't fall on, like oh uh, there were no signs right and then also that movie right. is set in the early 1900s I want to say maybe even a little I can't. earlier, maybe 1800s. I back. You're right. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. When the, like those grave gravestones said, but if this only is, there was a way to find out. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this wasn't a time when women could just get up and leave. Right. Right. And, and she twists the whole thing because Ruth is not staying for her husband. She's staying for her mother. Right? Because her mother is sick and dying, and they live with him. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as her mother, you know, eternally pieces out, she's like, come and get me. Mm -hmm. So she's had the will to leave the whole, like, yeah. so you're going to write this book for Christian women, which you think would be based on the Bible. You're not going to mention the Bible. You're just going to keep pulling in movies, and then you're not even going to talk about the movies. Right. That's right. You're just using you're using these examples and twisting them to fit your narrative. And she does that with the Bible verses too. She's not, you know, aside from like the fall story that she puts in there, but it's like all these verses that are in here are just like briefly mentioned. So it's like everything's being taken out of context to fit what she's trying to communicate, which is a choice, is a manipulative choice. And uh, here we are, but it's like, you didn't, you missed the point of all of these stories that you're taking. Yeah. Just further proves the manipulation of this book. (laughs) 
which seems, you know, controlling. Um, yeah, but she's not being in- controlling because she is a godly woman and she's writing about not being controlling. Maybe it's John. Who knows? Well, that's the other question. It's like, when is she writing and when is he writing? And yeah. when is she just, you know, co-signing? Yeah. Much like John Bevere and the Bait of Satan. Ultimately, yes, ridiculous and it's awful. But also, you guys, you just bum me out. You guys make me sad for yeah. for you. You know, when she talks about, you know, when I'm going out to a party or a gathering or just a dinner at a friend's house, really mm-hmm. anywhere I am meeting other people, I feel nervous. Often, not aware of what I'm truly feeling, I find myself reapplying lipstick in the car on the way. The more nervous I feel, the more lipstick goes on. Getting close to the destination, I reapply more lipstick. A little closer, on goes some more. Turning into the street, on goes another layer of sunset rose or whatever. I clued into this habit some time ago when I caught myself putting on another unnecessary layer. What was I doing? I was afraid. And I was bummed out. I'm like, girl. It sounds like you have some anxiety to work through maybe some other like mental health stuff going on like that's this isn't just like a weird mm, this is just a weird habit that it's it sounds like to the level of like like a tick or a compulsion or like something else is there to go have dinner with friends i know like this isn't oh oh my god i'm going to the emmys and i'm about to accept this award (laughs) (laughs) friends that you i would assume you see all the time or that you like and who yeah. like you but it's like am i lovely <laughs> right we, we need some therapy up in here for poor stacy that's <laughs> for all of us really but yeah. yeah instead of going to therapy she co-authored this book where men are telling her and pointing things out to her oh yeah was that about the eve eve story yeah the part about adam adam being right there the whole time and oh, it was yeah, a wonderful man who pointed this out to me. Right. Well, well, maybe he's the. Oh no, I guess it's like passive or violent are the two extremes that the men go to. Men are just as controlling, but we don't talk about that in any of these books. How controlling the men are? No. They're allowed to be controlling. They're supposed to be, I guess. But well, I mean, the whole thing is like they're supposed to be like the head, the leaders. Heaven forbid, women are also. <laughs> leaders and right right heads of their household and make decisions i don't know if it, i think i wrote it in both of them I, what what do you guys want what do you right. want from us <laughs> what do you want from me what do you want because we stay busy at family gatherings and parties we can't avoid we'd rather go to a movie than out to dinner with a friend we don't initiate sex with our husbands ever we dismiss every compliment we relinquish major decisions to others but aren't we supposed to right if I don't relinquish major decisions to others, if I do initiate sex, am, aren't I now controlling? Making decisions and I flip into the controlling. I'm category. now controlling and domineering. Yes. Like in all of these examples, here's what this woman did wrong. What were these women supposed to do? Right. So I want my daughter's IV bag full. She's in the hospital. We just had this terrible accident. What am I supposed to do? But if it was flipped and she didn't say anything, then Then she's she's desolate. Then she's desolate. And her child, her care suffers. Like Right, and she has (laughs) Who knows what the other consequences are. So you're as a woman and a mother by not by not what? What what are we supposed to do? What is Ruth Jameson supposed to do? Because if she gets up and punches him back (laughs) Well now you're domineering and you're controlling. Mm Mm-hmm. What she should just get up and walk out. What's the big deal? Oh, so there's yeah. no... Well, and that's that's the, the thing about, I mean, not just this book, but being a woman inside of Christianity, is there's never a, a clear answer of here's what you're supposed to do. It's we're going to tell you all these things that you're not supposed to do and add on a layer of you can't trust yourself, take every thought captive. And when you think you're doing all of that, if your prayers go unanswered, if something bad happens, it's usually because you're out of line. You're not doing something correctly. And it's like, well, what, which one am I not supposed to be doing? Right. <laughs> and so I have, I can't trust myself. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly going to other people to ask them what I should be doing. Usually men. Men. If you can, if you're smart. <laughs> well, even if, in my experience, even if I went to like a woman in leadership the messages that they're hearing are from their husband slash probably pastor, right? Right. 
the pastor's wife. It's the youth pastor's wife. It's whoever. Yeah. And you're like, well, I guess I'll just ha- tell, have people tell me what, what I should do. And I will lose all sense of my intuition, who I am, what I want and what I actually desire, because people are telling me that this is my deepest desire. So they're probably right. I'm just not in touch with myself. And because I'm actually not in touch with myself, I believe it. <laughs> right. This is all so, so dangerous mm-hmm. because it, it, again, it's just reinforcing everything, all the things we've been taught about separating ourselves from ourselves because we're all more tuned to the negative anyway. And we all are very well aware of where we're going wrong and what's wrong with us. Like, yeah, we read this stuff and then we see, we see our worst traits and like, oh, yep, that's me. That. And this is, this is why. And the mm-hmm. fact that I don't like this book, the fact that mm-hmm. I don't like feeling this way. Well, this is proof that this, this book is right. Like, and I need yeah. that you're either domineering or desolate or both or both. <laughs> and either way, like, I don't know how to do it right, but I know I'm doing it wrong. Yes. Like, yes, exactly. And so whichever, whichever end of the spectrum I'm falling on or the middle, <laughs> I have to correct. I have to course correct. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, but I know I need to. And so you're just living in that tension of, again, I don't know how to do it right, but I know that I'm doing it wrong. So yeah, God help me, please, somebody, mm-hmm. anybody. Well, and when you feel like I'm not, I'm not totally sure what I'm hearing from God, am I hearing from God? what is the answer? I think it might be this, but maybe it's just myself and my own thoughts. So you just never know. So you're constantly needing to read the the latest book that comes out or listen to the latest sermon. You need to read your Bible more and maybe there's more to interpret, you know, never mind that that book is so freaking confusing and has been translated a thousand times. So who knows what the actual intention of the words were. Right. Right. (laughs) But don't you dare think about it yourself. You have have to have some ultimately man's interpretation perspective on this right and that's that's the one Mm -hmm. and it's you know at the very end of the chapter that's the end yeah are we at the end yet (laughs) and and this book is still only just beginning for me i know sorry (laughs) sorry for you (laughs) we we do not first bring our hearts question to god and too often before we can we are given answers in a very painful way. We are wounded into believing horrid things about ourselves. And I said, what could be more horrid than what this chapter is teaching? What could be worse than this? Well, and it's like, well, we're not wounding you. We're trying to help heal you. Other things have wounded you. You yourself have wounded you. Eve and you. Yeah, that bitch Eve. <laughs> and you, because you're a descendant of Eve. So you like inherited that quality of seeking the truth and asking too many questions. <laughs> as as a mom of two two girl children yes what especially because you grew up with this stuff yes and you know we bought into it fell into it believed it and now trying to get rid of it what do you do as a mom of girl children like what do you want to teach them to believe about women and about themselves the question i think (laughs) the balance for me as a mom is using my previous experiences to inform, but also not reacting out of a trauma response, which I find myself doing a lot. But I deep down, it's like my desire for my girls is to know that they can trust and listen to themselves. And that's what I'm trying to learn at 34 and 11 months <laughs> of my life <laughs> on the cusp of 35 like I'm just trying to learn that now just so much harder to do (laughs) it's like I don't you know there's so many things that I won't be able to control society and messages and pressures that they will put on them but if I can help instill more of a internal compass of trust your intuitions trust what is what your body is saying to you what your gut is saying to you that is that's what my goal, I guess, as a girl mom or yeah, a girl mom as I parent them and raise them. And, you know, there's so many things that I feel so fearful of, like (laughs) stupid damn question. Am I lovely? Like that? Sure. I mean, I like to feel good about myself. Sometimes I like to wear nice things, whatever, but that's not my inherent 
question and I never want that question to be like on my girl's mind because it's not important. There's so many other questions that I want them to ask before, do I look good? Am I beautiful? Right. (laughs) Because that's what all of society will try and tell them. So I can help instill anything else to go along with what they're going to get naturally in our society. Mm-hmm. That, that is my goal, which is real hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've got your work cut out for you. Yeah. I really try to just have the attitude of like, even if they start off like just a little bit more aware than I mm-hmm. was and am, <laughs> then I hopefully did enough because it's never going to be perfect. They will have moments when they question themselves or they're not sure. And so that's the other thing too, is letting them know that I am their safe space, that they can come to me and talk to me about anything. I'm not going to necessarily tell them what to do, but we can talk through like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you say? Not here's what I want you to do. That's just another person telling you what to do. (laughs) But what, like, what, what are you telling you? Um, and trying trying to strengthen that skill in them a little bit more is my goal which oh like that's so beautiful and that (laughs) that i think that's the middle ground between domineering and desolate yeah but that is what this book cannot say but that's right because if you trust yourself then you don't need to listen to john or stacy you don't need to read your bible you don't need to go to church every Sunday. like Right. You don't need to do all those things. You don't need to. And all of those things, well, not all of those things. John and Stacey's book is not lovely. It's not great. But no. like, yeah, going to church, reading the Bible, if you want to do that, if you want to incorporate that into your life practice and that's something you want to do occasionally, mm-hmm. wonderful, awesome. But take the Bible the same way they take these movies and this poetry. Like, right, it's another... It's another story. It's another book. It's not elevated to this. This is the truth and I'll be all, you have to listen to every word of this. It's like, this is just another story. This is something that some people believe. And that's again, where I want that intuition to come into play of like, we can talk about religion. You know, they are really close to my parents who are still very much in the church, very great strong believers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they're going to get some of that messaging, but it's like, well, what do you think? That's what Mimi and Papa believe, but what do you think? Like, do you think that that's true? Or do you think that maybe there's something else out there or there's a different answer or a different explanation? And I can't tell you what that is. They can't tell you what that is. Only you can tell you what that is. And that is the hope. Right. Because you are not, you are not Eve. Her story is not your story. Maybe you can see shadows of yourself and parts of this, and that's cool. But the wonderful thing about life and the wonderful thing about you is that you're once in a lifetime. Like, there is no book that can tell you, one woman, let alone all women, what to be, how to be, who to be. Right. No book's going to tell you that. Only you can tell you that. (laughs) Only you can tell you that. So you don't need to read these these books. They will tell you what it looks like to them, but only you can tell you what it looks like right you and this is not going to encourage that it's going to hinder that so you can skip this one (laughs) and a lot of the other ones out there let's be honest this is not alone in its awfulness but this podcast could go on forever unfortunately because (laughs) there are too many too many of these books podcast security (laughs) never you'll never run out of bad words content Because Janice, even now, the next Captivating is being written. (laughs) And you know what? That's for your girls. I will pass pass this podcast on someday. (laughs) The next generation can take it over when we're like, I do not want to read one more traumatic, triggering book. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, no, hopefully they, well, hopefully they won't because they won't have any traumatic books to revisit right they'll read this and be like this was dumb right (laughs) right i hope on to the next one (laughs) i hope we've seen the worst of it like that i I feel like we got caught up in the the height of all of it and now we did this brand of evangelicalism is definitely in its dying throes so i don't know i hope i yes i hope so i feel more (laughs) more hopeful with you know there's, there's less of like the captivating, wild at heart, I kiss dating goodbye, on and on and on and on. Right, 
the books go. Like, there's no, I think one good thing about how kind of fragmented everything is now is that there isn't this overwhelming, like, no matter what church we went to, no matter what denomination, we all got our kids dating goodbye. And we Mm -hmm. all, you know, even if you didn't read Wild at Heart or Captivating, I haven't run across anyone who's like, I've never heard of that. Like, it was out there and being pushed, (laughs) pushed hardcore. Um, And so I think that's, that's harder to do now. Yeah, that's true. Thankfully. Thankfully. Well, because all the, it feels like denominations are becoming a little more segmented and some of them are like entrenching them themselves in this kind of stuff. And I think some of them are trying to maybe move away from some of this messaging. Yeah. Which I, like, I guess is good. Again, there's still so many other problematic things, but hopefully like the purity culture, traditional gender role type things are slowly dying out or at least not as common we hope church big c wide yeah and it's only in the little c churches (laughs) we think but then also you never know we're out and meanwhile (laughs) (laughs) good luck yeah i kissed dating god goodbye (laughs) (laughs) so i kiss god goodbye peace out homie bye (laughs) (laughs) oh so yeah so who who do the eldridges think this book is for um well i think the eldridges think this book is going to help both men and women i know i don't want to be hyperbole i know very few men actually read captivating i know a whole lot of women that would read wild at heart because they wanted to have both perspectives because <laughs> women love both perspectives and truth and knowledge and, and reading Christian books. Honestly, I oh think Wild at Heart was written for women. Yes. To help understand. To help the understand the man. Yes. So I think that was their goal. This is, this book was written to further control and manipulate women into a very narrow behavioral attitude. That didn't make very much sense, but you know what I mean? No, it did, because Christianity. Yeah. (laughs) This forces them onto that teeny tiny narrow road that you're supposed to walk and not stray from, and this helps narrow it even further. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at this book from the perspective that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. On a scale from one to ten, ten, beneficial for everyone. Great. Highly recommend. Run out and get it today. (laughs) One harmful for everyone, send it back to hell. Where would you put this book? So it's harmful for everyone. However, if you are looking to really be controlling and manipulative, I could see it being beneficial for you. Ooh. Here are some more tactics for you. Now, that ultimately harms more people, but it's not going to harm them. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, we have to add to the scale. Yeah, so Spicy take. <laughs> So it's a one for regulars and a nine ten for villains. Yes, <laughs> which we all know yeah. is worse when it's a woman. Yes, for women villains. <laughs> but let's be honest, this is for the this male for... villains because they're trying to convince women to not be. <laughs> so they're like, we own the villain space. Yeah. We need you to get out. All right. So this is a now it's a triple scale. So <laughs> making it even more complex and complicated. <laughs> So, so it's a one for regular degulars, just regular yes. people. What, what is it for men villains? And then what is it for women villains? Mm. So it's a 10. Well, okay, nine. I have a hard time getting everything, anything a 10. So a nine for male villains. I still think it's very harmful for if women want to be a villain. Maybe Cause, cause like how a- How would you even- Maybe like a three, because I could maybe pick and choose. Like, I just need to be really controlling and domineering. Here's a quick snapshot of what that might look like, but probably not going to be a great resource for them either. All right. Maybe wild at heart. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) All right. So that's, that's who this book is for. Yes. Male villains, run out and get your copy today. Don't wait. Don't no wait. Let's Go be honest. It. It's like the authors. <laughs> Look, we already have it. We helped write it. We're good. <laughs> we have multiple copies, uh, multiple editions. So, yeah, we're set. But thanks. Stop trying to control me. 
<laughs> so instead of captivating, what is something, a book, movie, music, anything, women constructed and or focused that you would recommend? Oh gosh. I have, a, I have, I have several. <laughs> yes. Always. Um, so when I read this question, my initial response was going to be, uh, the Court of Thorns and Roses series. Oh. Freaking Adrian keeps bringing that up in all of his podcasts. So I'm not going to bring that one up again, <laughs> even though I also recommend it. it's really good. <laughs> it's written by a woman. So very good. Maybe I'll just continue on with my themes. So I'm going to recommend uh, Six, the musical, which is a great female empowerment. Yes. Spinning the narrative from the male perspective to the women. Excellent. Excellent. What else? The other thing that I'm really into right now, which is I'm not alone, is the House of the Dragon series on HBO. But for the purpose of they have more female directors and cinematographers and people that are involved in the series and the series is more focused on like this patriarchal society and then a woman comes in and gets named heir and the chaos that ensues and I've really enjoyed the exploration of some of those issues and themes within like a very fantastical society obviously and so there it is there but in listening watching the show and then listening to some of the like female directors and stuff and hearing their take and their perspective and what like a different narrative and a different thing that they're wanting to talk about i think was really exciting for me so i recommend it from that perspective also it's just a really great show lots of drama (laughs) lots of different types of women in that one too pick your choice (laughs) Uh, although we know there are only two kinds so Right. Desolate or domineering. Yeah. Slot your characters into those two categories. <laughs> Desolate, domineering, dragon. Dragon. <laughs> yes. I will be in the dragon category. <laughs> the domineering dragon category. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be a desolate dragon. Which one is the desolate dragon next time I watch? Desolate dragon. <laughs> Title of this episode: Desolate Dragons. Desolate Dragons. <laughs> you know, I feel like a dragon is a good desolate dragon can also turn into a domineering dragon depending on you know what's going on in the situation so i like it i love it dragon camp (laughs) (laughs) all right that's it do you have any any closing thoughts anything you didn't get to say anything you want to say oh my gosh i always have more things to say but (laughs) don't read this book and that's it (laughs) the end just unsubscribe don't read it and if you didn't read it before definitely don't read it now don't do it now (laughs) I, I would be so interested to read it today, having never read it before. Like, like to just, right. just to know, no context and just be like, handed Come this book. in, you fresh. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just wonder at what, at what point would the alarm start going off and you'd be like, oh, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, what? What are you talking about? And why? Why are you talking about this? I know. If only. There are so many things that I wish I could erase from my brain. But we can't. They're there. No, we can't. And they're part of us, and uh, we are miracles, Leslie. We're miracles. We were not we are miracles. supposed to get out of this, and we did. Uh, yeah. And down in the depths of our hearts, our question remains unanswered, or rather, it remains answered in the way it was answered so badly in our youth. Am I lovely? Do you see me? Do you want to see me? Are you captivated by what you find in me? We live haunted by that question, yet unaware that it still needs an answer. When we were young, we knew nothing about even what she did and how it affected us all. We do not first bring our heart's question to God, and too often, before we can, we are given answers in a very painful way. We are wounded into believing horrid things about ourselves. And so every woman comes into the world set up for a terrible heartbreak. And that's that. Thank you for dropping in on the Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than we did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, the Legata Scratch production, and a God is not given side hustle. Produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodley and Jodwelling patrons like... Annie. Thank you, Annie. 
If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're looking for a better book experience, ask Amazon about The Grift of God and or The Divide by me, Janice Legata. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. This has been an episode of Bad Words, but to finish up, here are some good ones. I like to think of myself less like in a miracle perspective and more like in a magical, some other like energy force. Miracle just feels too uh, Christian-y. They like ruined the word. So I'm like, I need to, what's a different word? (laughs) We are magic. We have chosen to follow a different energy force, which is for me is like myself, (laughs) my own energy force. (laughs) We're all unique and we're supposed to be unique.